Hello and welcome to Planet NOLA. My name is Mary Jacobs. I am your host. Um, This is the podcast where I just talk to people in New Orleans that I think are cool. We're doing cool things around our city. Just some folks that I'd love more people to know about. Today I have a very dear friend of mine, Zach Manuel here. Zach is a badass. Zach is a local film director. I have to say film because I'm a theater kid, mm-hmm. and I feel like people are going to be like, oh, theater. No, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Like, film, film. Yeah, it's good to clarify. Um, and that's that's it. That's what this dude does, like, full-time direct stuff. And I think, like, that's kind of it. That's the intro. How do you feel about that? That's great. Do you need any other identifiers? Do you want me to give some accolades? Oh, you're award- you have tons of awards. It's a couple. Should we talk about your... Tons of awards. An Oscar nom? Yes. Is it more than one Oscar nom? uh one one oscar nom but like geez for best documentary yeah was it 2021 2021 yeah for time which if you haven't seen time you especially if you live in louisiana you absolutely everyone should watch it honestly but especially if you live in louisiana kind of similarly to um we had a guest on the podcast um mary henderson uloho do you know her Name sounds familiar. She's got a, a thrift store out in Araby called Sister Hearts. And oh, the yeah. focus is decarceration, uh-huh. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we did a, like, the whole episode was just talking about the Louisiana prison system. Yeah. I mean, among many things. Yeah. But so if you really enjoyed that episode, you should absolutely watch Time. It's so, so, so good. And it was friggin' robbed by that octopus movie. Yeah. Garbage. Terrible. I was like, I am not biased. When, when the <laughs> octopus thing won, I was like... Listen, I know that I know the people that did this other one, but like objectively, right? Like, yeah, it was, yeah. Anyway, but you know, you know what Garrett told me because I was talking to Garrett afterwards, and uh, who's Garrett? Garrett is the director of Time. Yeah. I was the director of photography, um, but Garrett was like, you know, it really just tells you where the Academy's prior- priorities are. You know? Yeah, I think that that's like kind of what people say about the Oscars generally. Yeah. And isn't it just kind of like who can pay the most money and that's a big part of it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you basically campaign for your film to get nominated and also win. Yeah. I think the average campaign is like $2 million. Yeah. No. What was the budget of time? I have no idea, but it was not $2 million. Yeah. 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 So it makes sense. It makes total sense, but it is such, sometimes you're just like, maybe the underdog will get it just this once, you know? Yeah. And then big Hollywood's like, no. Nah. <laughs> you know, hot take about that movie. You didn't hear it from me, but uh, I heard there were multiple octopuses. No. Just going to start with some juicy guys. Oh, snap. Th- this is why you're here, Zach, to lay down, <laughs> to lay down those hard-hitting facts about my octopus teacher. Not going to say it's a fact, but... Uh, um, That reminds me of... Well, I'm not even going to get into that. That's a later episode who thing. Who knows? Um, I, you know what? This is going to sound really stupid, but I think that I like want to say it is I think it's like kind of hard to believe that you just work. I mean, you were a director of photography of time, but you mostly work as a director, right? Like, It's been like, okay, you so... You hold the camera a lot, though. I do, yeah. I mean, I think that like part of my identity as a filmmaker is a visual storyteller. So it's hard for me to really disconnect like the shooting aspect and like the kind of cinematography aspect of filmmaking from directing. Right. I have been back and forth I think over the past decade from like primarily DPing to primarily directing and then back to DPing and now I've started to shift my focus back into directing yeah and trying to experiment with some other things as well you feel like they're like fundamentally linked I do I mean when I think about story when I think about craft movie the first thing I think about is like what is it gonna 
look like and not really from like you know not entirely from an aesthetic place but like what do people need to feel when they watch something yeah and how can whatever i'm doing visually support that you know what i mean right. yeah it makes sense yeah that's like making a movie right there yeah 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 so it makes sense that you kind of go between them yeah i mean i you know i love to shoot i think it's like it's such a wonderful way to connect with people like which I think sounds kind of demented, but it's because you could just go out and talk to people. But like, but I also feel like you like a lot of documentary stuff. Like you can, you like those conversations, those literal conversations. Yeah, it's intense. I mean, you know, you're out there, you're meeting people, you're having these really intense kind of encounters and interactions with people, and you're telling their stories, and usually their stories are pretty intense. Um, you know, I think some people could say that like the camera is kind of like a barrier that like creates a a membrane of safety between you and the person that you're talking to for me it totally breaks that down I yeah. feel like there's like to be able to step into someone's space and to kind of have those conversations and negotiations about how they're going to be captured are like a lot more intimate than a lot of the conversations that you have in your regular life it sounds like consent it is yeah it's, it's, it's a it's constant almost kind of like how a lot of relationships should exist like we should understand each other's perceptions and wants out of the situation and it's like you're actually just breaking down an interaction in a way that you could break down any interaction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's causing like this deeper level of intimacy yeah it is really yeah that's a great way to put it and i think that's why you're very good at what you do thank you i appreciate that Because i don't actually think that a lot of people do uh, so I so I know Zach because I briefly worked in film, which was so comical that I would work. There. I've done everything. I'm one of those people. You have done a lot. I've done yeah, a lot you've of done so much. stuff. And it's so funny because when I was working in film for a blip, I was ADing, which like I was working closely with you. <clears throat> and one of the things and I was working with I'd worked not just with you. I worked with other people. And one of the things that I noticed about working with you is, first of all, you're my favorite person to work with when it Thanks. came to I really appreciate that. directing or DPing. Like, and, you know, I'm not just saying, and Ben is my best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell Ben. He's yeah, going to see this. He will hear this, but he, he knows. Like, like, we work fine together. But, like, for the reasons that you're my favorite person to work with, I think it is that, like, you are, like, in your, this sounds silly, but you're, like, in your humanity in a way when you're working that I think that a lot of people maybe don't even know how to be mm. and that gives you this like empathy and this like ability to communicate things thank you and that's like very i mean that's what makes you like an artist and not just like a camera holder thanks i appreciate that you know honestly i feel like i've been really like lucky blessed fortunate grateful to have a lot of like unofficial mentors throughout like my like formative filmmaking years like early 20s who were all women and they were just all incredible and all like just very thoughtful sensitive people so even when I was like learning how to shoot I was learning how to do it from a place of like empathy that. and sensitivity so I took that I took a lot of that and that is like part of my practice today you know it's part yeah of it's how so I do cute it. that you just said that cute but like beautiful sweet like my Thanks. heart fluttered when I know mine that. did too a little bit but because <laughs> I, I and I think about the people that I that like really taught me you know what yeah. I mean? and like yeah they mean a lot to me obviously I didn't know that and I mean it makes complete sense because it is super unusual for just a dude to be able to tap into that so comfortably mm -hmm. you really you really do have that ability thanks um Zach if you if you know don't know Zach's work you should and you probably do, because I feel like you've directed like several big freedom music videos or shot yeah. several big mm -hmm. freedom music videos. Mm -hmm. 
Tank in the Bangas? Did you do a Tank in the Bangas? I actually have never done a Tank in the Bangas video. Who else have you done? Like Mashia Lake? Who else? You um, did somebody else big I, recently. I went on like a Big Frida, like, it was like a Big Frida marathon for like two years. I, did I think like, I remember that. Yeah, like a, a bunch of Frida's videos. Um, I did some videos with Pell, who's also a New Orleans mm-hmm. rapper, who's fucking amazing. Um, oh, who else have I worked with? Um, what's the group? It's Sam Craft and oh, Sweet Crude. Sweet Crude did yeah. some work with Sweet Crude. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I feel like my music video work is like, oh, I worked with Mavis Staples. Was one. Oh of the, yeah, that's my, the, like, I think that's the one I was just thinking of. Mavis, Sta- Mavis yeah. Staples. Yeah, one of the last videos I ever did actually. The only reason I bring up the music videos is because I feel like that's like such a universal thing. Like someone that might not be a film person knows bands. Yeah, they know yeah, the bands yeah, yeah. in New Orleans. So it's like you, they might have encountered your work and not even realized it. Yo, dude, I was reading this really interesting quote from uh, Bjork. It just like showed up on my Instagram timeline. It might have been this morning. Bjork said like most people's like the way that she thinks about music videos is not just like a marketing tool, but mm-hmm. like that most people's eyes are more mature than their ears. And a lot of times it takes people, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten times to listen to a song before they can really hear it. Yeah, internalize it, hear mm. it, feel it, you know. But if you watch something, it kind of creates this bridge between the music and, you know, I don't know, your heart or your soul or something yeah. like that. I mean, that makes complete sense. It We're, does, yeah. It, I mean, I feel like most people are visual learners. Yeah, I definitely am. Yeah, I am. I am. My problem is, is that I have to do it all. I'm like, I have to watch it about four times yeah. and listen to it. I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but yeah. if there's something to really stick in. No, I feel that way too. Gotta write it down. Me too. Gotta like put it in my planner. I have to like see it in my head and like write it down. I like have to process in all ways possible in order for something to stick, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a gift and a curse, but. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, well, when I really learn something, it's there. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it does take me a while sometimes. What else? Are you you working on anything else right now? You're always working. Yeah. That was where I was. I didn't finish my thought. thought. You are working in film. Like, I think. Yeah. I think when people hear director or DP, which is director of photography, so like basically camera holding, framing up shots, like I feel like people would think, oh, like what what has he done that I know? Mm-hmm. And like they may know nothing that you've done. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. that is what you do for work. And like I think people that aren't in the film world like don't really actually understand that. Like do people ever ask you what you do and then you tell them and they're like, but what else do you do? <laughs> Does that happen uh, to you? Or are you sometimes. at the level where that doesn't happen? Um... I was talking to this guy last night that I just met at a bar and I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm an engineer, you know, oh, but it's boring. It's like, you know, tell me about it. So we go into this whole thing and he's like, what do you do? I'm just like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. You're an artist, you know, and I've been getting a lot more of those responses in my like 30s, you know, and a little bit less of like the that's cool. Like, is that your full time thing or like what that's else are you doing? Yeah, you know what I mean? Growing up, we're like yeah full-blown adults people are like oh okay yeah if i don't shave i have grays in my beard and like (laughs) if it's my hobby like something else is killing me you know what i mean (laughs) so i'm like this is the real this is my life yeah it feels good to like being able to work doing the thing without having to do anything else you know because i'm a very creative person and like i just all of my creative endeavors are very much like touch points and Mm -hmm. it's like unfortunately i still have to grind on other things Mm mm-hmm and sometimes it's like, ugh, 
don't you just want to do the one thing? So I'm like envious of folks that can. I mean, but you know, the, the truth is like filmmaking, if you're doing it the way that I'm doing it, is so many different things. And not all of those things are enjoyable. Right. Like sometimes I'm predominantly writing for weeks or mm-hmm. months, you know, if I'm like trying to get funding or pitch a project or something like that right. or like actually get something produced then it's just like you know i'm like okay now i have to become a marketing major right. and like market the this film and the way that people can understand it in order to get the money to actually make it yeah or like You're like selling yourself all the time totally or like when i'm in production you know i mean i love production but production's a slog it's a grind like mm-hmm. it's gear it's like traveling it's like all the physical labor and that can be really fun because it's a lot of people connection but it can also be really tiring and then post-production I'm like sitting in front of my computer like smoking way too much weed (laughs) and just like you know like tearing my eyes out yeah 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 it's definitely not all beautiful like I mean not not to say that there I don't have a lot of love for all of those different processes you know or else I wouldn't do them of course but yeah it definitely is like it cannot be fun and there are places where you get in your filmmaking process where like shit's just not working like your story doesn't work like and I'm not at the point yet where I'm just like doing stories like it's easy you know what I mean like I like it's not it's not wrote to me well, I feel like if storytelling gets easy, then maybe you need to really think about it a little bit more because like it's such a complex thing. That's how does it get easy? I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. It's definitely I guess it's the always human challenging. condition gets easier to understand. There are like people I feel like who can understand the complexity of reality and distill it into the beats of a story in a way that I, like I find remarkable sometimes yeah and not get caught up in like especially because like I'm doing it all sometimes I'd be like yo I really love this moment or I really love this shot or I really love what this person says here and it may not relate in any way to what the story is you know so to be able to kind of like have that that kind of precise discerning you know sometimes really like uh what's the word like not murderous but like you know what i mean detailed like yeah like expounding like you're zooming in a little bit too much you mean and you're getting rid of all the fat you know what i mean like anything that doesn't relate to the central story you know a lot of times with films like has to get eliminated yeah that's so real and that's where people are like it's on the floor Mm mm-hmm um, you know what else I want to talk about? Hmm. Just being from New Orleans. You grew up really close to me. I did. I but grew we didn't up like... know each other in high school. No. No. We, we didn't meet until probably after college. Yeah. I yeah, I went I grew up like a half a mile away from here. Yeah, you're right. I pass your parents' house like every day. <laughs> yeah. Not to not to out your parents' address, but when Zach was uh nominated for an Oscar, they had a big banner made. And they hung it on the house, and I passed it every day and every day. I, pa- I think I texted you a couple of times. I'm like, passing your banner again. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was... Um, you went to Franklin? It was cute. Yeah, I went to Ben Franklin and NOCA in the last two years of high school. You went to NOCA just for two years, you mean? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. For film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, media arts. Oh, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. 
Did you like Franklin? We talk about Franklin a lot on this podcast. This is so random. But like the last two episodes, I've talked about Franklin. Which I'm is, not surprised. But it's a cornerstone. I mean, it's like a yeah. thing, you know? Like, yeah. Everyone wanted to go there. there. If they didn't go there, everyone that went there was cool. Highly ambitious people. Highly ambitious. Yeah. I mean, I I liked Franklin. I struggled, like, especially after Katrina. I really? was Academically, like, you mean? Oh, yeah. Wow. I was not, like, into school like that. You know what I mean? I mean... At NOCA, I did really well. I was super dedicated to that, to learning, like, film and experimenting and, like, having fun. But, yeah, when it came to Franklin, I was like, uh, not really for me. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know. I didn't finish college. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Where'd you go? I went to Chapman University in uh, Orange County. Wow. California. Shit. Yeah, out there. Why didn't you finish? I wanted to drop out of college a lot. Like, I empathize with that. Like, it just... yeah. There were so many moments where I was like, what is the point of this? Like, I know I'm not going to be working in an office. Like, yeah. I know I'm not going to be using this, like, as a feather in my cap. But, I mean, I'm really happy I went. And yeah. I, I had a really good setup, so I was, like, so grateful. But there were so many times where I was like, this is so not for me. I yeah. I just want to go live life. I felt like I was being halted from living some of the times. Yeah. I think I was, like, in, I mean, post-Katrina, like, you know. I don't know. Your mind's just in a crazy place. And I, I went from like... You were a senior when Katrina hit? I was uh, going into my junior year. Okay, yeah. So like, I feel like I went from this environment that was like, had experienced a lot of trauma mm-hmm. to an environment that like, was extremely privileged and kind of removed. I was about to say, you went to Orange County. Yeah, yeah. It's the diamond studded buckle of the Bible Belt. Like it is like that part of the country that's like christian both like very conservatively christian but also extremely wealthy so rich and it was just like i was like i have no i felt like i was on another planet most of the time I like i didn't learn anything about wealth until i became an adult basically and I yeah was like, yeah 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 i mean once you're like taking care of your own property and like and you go to california and you can feel it like yeah a lot of parts of california you're like how do you guys function here yeah I think that, like, what happened was, like, that idea of wealth became a reality in a way that, like, I hadn't really thought about, you know? Because, yeah. like, like, remember that show, The Hills? Yes. Yeah, they filmed that on my college campus. Oh, my God. So, like, we would, like, we couldn't go to the coffee shop sometimes because they would be, like, they'd, it, be they'd be, like, shooting a conversation in there. And, you know, I had friends whose, like, parents were, like, Sony executives who, like you know drove a range rover crash it get a mercedes and like it's that kind of yeah, like wild it's like, like the ease of it's just the ease of navigating the world that like with you know that kind of defines what wealth is a little bit so real the ease of navigating the world your abilities mm-hmm. and or lack thereof mm-hmm. it's like there's just so much less daily strain on the brain when you just got that level of comfort and that's like what yeah. i'm experiencing more and more what do you think about what do you think of oh, this is a j- jump in a general question i swear there was a connection in my brain the way that the film industry has changed in new orleans and you've been here since mm. kind of it started bubbling up right like yeah that's about when yeah. you started give or take yeah yeah i feel like it was just kind of like becoming like hollywood south mm-hmm. when i was starting right. actually it's funny because in high school like I think even before, maybe like the summer, right before Katrina, I worked at the film office downtown. Oh, I was yeah. like interning with somebody. And it was like, 
you know, it was like a pretty small operation. There were like a couple people there and they had like maybe one or two big shows. And um, it didn't seem like fully developed. You know what I mean? And then I went to school for a couple years and then I came back. And that's when I think things really started to like they had kind of gestated a little bit and they were like starting to kind of bubble up and we had all these big shows. I mean, I like I don't want to say I work in a bubble, but I have kind of do. I I know what you mean when you say that. Yeah. You're like, I don't really touch the industry that much. Right. Like not in that way. A little bit. I mean, I think like when, you know, you like when you're trying to like figure out what you want to do in film like i think part of figuring it out is just like touching a lot of different sectors yeah do you have opinions about hollywood south big 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 brother hollywood south um i will say like it's not for me like the my the way that i like to make films is like as small as you can be and kind of as like human as you can be yeah and also not like into the process of like like this is like a part of where i get like frustrated with film is like you want to get something but you have to like set up for like eight hours in order to get this thing and i'm like bro i can't like which is like you know documentary to me when i when i like found it when it became a thing that i that i you know became a reality in my life i was like i didn't know that you could do this like (laughs) i didn't know that you could go out show up have a conversation and then start shooting. Yeah. And still create images that I thought were beautiful. And in a way, like, more beautiful than the shit that people were creating. Because, like, I never considered myself, like, I've done it all. Like, I've worked on big films. I've worked on commercials. I've done music videos. Like, I've tried everything. Yeah. In a lot of different capacities as well. Like, been an AC. Like, been a camera operator. Like, you know, I've done location scouting. I've done, like, talent I feel like managing. location scouting is actually a fun one. That one's pretty fun, but I feel like... Just going in people's houses and looking at them and taking pictures. I yeah. Would, I would like that job. <laughs> I feel like often what happens, though, in, in New Orleans is, like, there's a crew that comes from out of state and they need a black ambassador. Oh, my God. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> I was so hoping you'd bring this up. You know I'm, you know, I want to talk about this so badly and I was not going to bring it up. Yeah. But, yeah, you you totally get, like, that pigeonhole. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, we need a person of color from New Orleans to, to go out or or be the person that goes and talks to the neighborhood. Or to whatever. build trust. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've done that job a number of times. That's so wild. And people are like, we really want to get a release from these guys because we got these b-roll shots but we're, we're actually too afraid to talk they to like them. won't even go talk yeah to like them. do you mind going and i'm like yo these white folks don't you are the black ambassador of yeah. the film industry yeah. And, well, I, well, yeah last time we kind of talked about this was when we were talking about like taking jobs that were like very obviously they needed a black director or mm-hmm. like, a black dp or they needed someone from here basically yeah and it's like so like someone who's never worked with you someone who's never reached out to you and then all of a sudden they're like oh we love everything you're doing yeah for sure is that still happening to you um i mean like when the pandemic happened like and this is like before but really kind of before time came out which i feel like was a little bit of a turning point of course for me uh you know and i had shot a lot and like worked a lot and stuff like that already but yeah it was like after the pandemic it was like we need a black dp in the south and like the South, as like Louisiana, Louisiana, oh. Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, you know what I mean? Like just a wide swath of the, the pool country. The was much bigger. 
and they're like oh who can we and i guess there aren't that many of us i mean i'm sure there are you know what i mean but like yeah i got crazy i feel like there's probably a lot yeah but it's the same thing that like i not that you've overcome this but it's like i bet you a lot of people are still butting up against like the nonstop disenfranchisement of people of color in the film industry. Yeah. And so like they can hyper focus on you because you have a resume behind you mm-hmm. instead of like really looking for that talent. They're like, oh, we found one. Right. We found one black person. We shall use this black person. Yeah. Well, good luck. Y'all, <laughs> I don't work that much. So. Well, good. Yeah. Well, we used to talk about it and you'd be like, I just charge them a, a higher rate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the fucking black tax. You're tokenizing me rate. Yeah. Black tax. Is that the official title? I don't know. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> You're like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> it's like the POC tax, but yeah. I mean, it's real. I, I, I think like, you know, if you bring your experience into something, like your real experience, your life experience, like you should charge what you want. Absolutely. Straight up. You Absolutely. Know? It becomes this thing where it's like, you're incredibly talented. I I feel like I don't want this conversation to sound like we're saying you don't. You're incredibly talented. I just got done saying you're my favorite director, so I think everybody knows that. Thanks. But it, it's you're not just paying for my skill anymore. You're not just paying for my talent. It's like becoming this thing where you're just like, I feel as if I'm being whored out a little bit, you know? Like I think what makes it also really difficult is like, as a person of color or if your person identifies as a woman, like often the jobs that you'll get hired to specifically do because you have that specific identity are so much more difficult actually than some of the jobs that, yeah, it's like more dangerous, you know, it's like we need a black director to go out and, you know, uncover like stats about police brutality. And I mean, like literally, quite literally, you're putting yourself in danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, we, you know, it would be inauthentic to have someone else tell the story, you know, which is true. But at the same time, it's like you are subjecting yourself to another level of danger in being the person that can represent that story most authentically, you know. And I think the same goes for anybody who has that like that kind of specific like identity that's yeah, you know i see, I see what you're saying you know it's what like mean? sometimes these stories that they're like, well, we absolutely have to have a queer person tell the story of the upstairs fire or whatever right like it's like okay so that means that i have to sit there and i have to go through the disgusting report of neglect and how people died and sit there with it and you're the one that's exposing yourself to it but at the same time yeah do i want a straight person to do that like right and then tell the story no i don't Right. right so it's like yeah that work is it's your cross to bear yeah it's difficult (laughs) it's complex you know i think like the only thing you can do is try to be as a filmmaker who's a person of color or identifies as a woman or as trans or or as queer is like just really be discerning about what you do and ask the tough questions and like just try not to get duped because everybody's the tough questions like i I mean like like you're the best person to mentor someone on this kind of (laughs) yeah i yeah look like i mean when i'm dping you know and someone asked me, like, hey, we're, you know, we want you to come on board. Like, we've seen your work. We really love it. It's like, all right, I would love to have a conversation with the director. Like, why do you want to make this? And why are you the right person to make it? Which is the question that I will get asked if I write any grant application, which really determines, like, if I get the money. So I feel like it's, you know, par for the course. Bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. 
easily. Yeah, I feel like a, a like intentional system of capitalism is to make us feel as if any work we get, it is a gift. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that is not true. And it's like if we empower our labor to be like, I have a say in my labor and what I yeah. give to anything. Mm -hmm. If people take up more say, it's one of my favorite things like, you know, trending on TikTok is questions to ask on an interview of the company. Mm, like who, yeah. whose position am I filling? Mm -hmm. Why did they leave? That's a great question. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so many TikToks on that. People should go, if you have a job interview and like, seriously, I mean, think yeah. about it. Yeah, that it's makes like, a lot of sense. Wh why is this position open? Right. Like, who? how long did it take the person who had before me to advance to the next level? Mm. Like, what did they start at? What did they finish at on salary? Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. especially because we're in a quote unquote labor shortage. I feel right. like laborers have more leverage than ever. And it's like you have leverage to ask these questions. Yeah, I think so. And I, feel comfortable with the answers. I think film has cultivated like a scarcity mindset. Like you have to take everything because like you'll never know what else is going to come around. And if you don't take it, people are going to blacklist you and they're going to be like, this person doesn't like to work. And, and you they... don't get calls anymore. Not true. Yeah. I don't think it's true. I mean, honestly, you know, it might be true. But like, just... I think that there's truth to it. Yeah. So I think like feed your soul, don't abuse yourself and don't allow yourself to be abused. I mean, ultimately, when I was working in film, I loved it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't because for my lifestyle, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. I was like, I, I virtually can't work 12, 14 hour days. Like, yeah. Yeah, I am yeah, so yeah. entrenched in my community and my family. Like, it, it was soul sucking for me. Yeah. But there's lots of people that either they're just have different priorities and their lives are different, you know, yeah. like, and they can do it. They can do the thing. But it's like, yeah, ask yourself the questions. And I fucking feel for people because that mentality you were just talking about, it's a thing. It's yeah, a thing. It's and real. people will grind and grind and grind and go to show, to show, to show, to show. Yep. Because if they don't take the offer they get on this show, they're right. Sometimes it could be two months or three months before you get an offer. Yeah. If depending on what you're doing and yada, 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 who knows you. And it does. You're right. It cultivates this like sh extreme scarcity. And like it's you got to ask yourself all the time, like, is this what I want to be in? Yeah. I was always tired of like, ne I just like hate negotiating my rate, like yeah. constantly negotiating Whack. money. Yeah. I was like, Whack. I don't like negotiating money and you have to do it every time you shoot something. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with film, a crew changing every time I do something. Obviously, that's the nature. Yeah. That's the nature of it. You're never going to work with the same people. I mean, you'll work with the same... We work together multiple times, I think. Yeah. You'll work with the same people again, but, like, it's a rare thing when there's, like, a crew that goes from this thing to this thing to this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way my, like, personality is and the way I build trust and, like, communication is, like, yeah, I like to know someone and, like, it takes me a while to, like, get a read and then, like... Totally. Trust someone and then, like, you, you just work together better. I mean, mm -hmm. you work with a lot of the same people over and over again. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. Who do you like to work with? I kind of know who you like to work with, but <laughs> drop some names of some buds you work with a lot. Um, Man, if I'm, like... If I'm directing something and I need a DP, I mean, Justin's wife hatch is like one of my best friends in the entire planet taught me so much about being a shooter. I always tell the story, but I remember like watching this, this scene that he filmed for a project that Milo, Milo Dimkin was mm -hmm. working on. And I just remember like how he like followed this person. It's like, it was like from their eyes to their lips, to their to their hands as they like 
picked up this video cassette and like really delicately like pushed it into the VCR and I was like that's so amazing you know and I was I was like blown away by like the intimacy of like how he captured that moment yeah and uh yeah kind of like changed my he has an changed eye. my life yeah like a liter- like an eye when they say people have eye he's got an eye yeah 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 so he's like if I do get the opportunity if he's available like he's my number one for sure what's up yeah. yeah i knew that already yeah he's great do you work with garrett a lot i feel like or is it just time y'all work together um garrett and i have done a lot of movies together i thought so yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so it, some people do like they'll they'll pack up but essentially your crew is going to be varied and stuff yeah you and gotta we, be willing to like that's a thing that comes with the territory yeah i mean especially for the work that garrett was making is making like really sensitive topics like working with people for long periods of time like you kind of like it gets really it actually starts to hurt the project if you bring in new people you know what i mean because it's like you gotta build trust yeah and you like build those relationships and like i'm also i'm like a person who likes to build those relationships like i like to see people out in the world like i'm a person who also is invested in my community so like the people that I work with, I hope to see them later. You know what I mean? Right. I hope to interact with them outside of a film space. Like, right. I want to be, you know, in just, a, uh, yeah, yeah, them. just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, another person, not just some, someone who came in and, like, yeah. filmed a thing with them. But exactly. Like, Ideally, you're not working with assholes, and you want to work with them again, and you want to see them again. And, right. Yeah. Um, this is hard to believe, but we have to take a break. Okay. This week's episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness, a group training facility located in Metairie, Louisiana. Vitality prioritizes their members with accessible workouts for anybody, any gender, any size, any ability. I'm a little biased because I do co-own this business, and I got to say we've got one of the best communities around, really great coaches, really good vibes. So if you're interested in trying out our gym, Go to our website, vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact form, and you get three free classes in a week. So come check us out. And we're back to Planet NOLA. I've been talking to my friend Zach about New Orleans film, about Zach, about everything, just general film stuff. I mean, we've nerded out about film a good bit. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to show you my shirt. Yeah. It's a bootleg so Super Bowl shirt. Who that whooped that ass? Az Azz. Wow. And and then it says Super Bowl whatever that number is. It'd be snowing in hell. It'd be snowing in hell with three exclamation points. That's so true. I know it's got a little devil right there. Wow, I love that. Isn't that good? That's a great shirt. Thank you. Is that a vintage find? It is a thrift, a good old thrift find. Yeah, Damn, that's a good one. I my whole outfit today. I'm like so proud of it. This is thrifted anthropology. It had its tag still on it. It's pretty great. This is a Burberry jacket liner that somebody donated to my my friend Vintage Curations donated to my shop and I'm like I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not That's not that. going out. Yeah, yeah. I'm not selling that. You got to take those things. And then man. I thrifted these Doc Martens. Those too. boots are sick. Aren't they beautiful? I love those. You're a big thrifter too. I am. I mean, I'm. My brother is a fashion designer. I'm big in the fashion. Oh, your like, brother's a fashion designer. Isn't he like famous? Don't you have a famous family member? Um. Yeah. Okay. They're all famous to me. Aw, Zach. <laughs> Zach, everyone is going to fall so much in love with you on this podcast. They're going to be like, this guy is such a puddin'. <laughs> Thanks. The woman thing and then this. Oh, my whole family's famous. 
I mean, I, I'm lucky, man. I come from, like, a lot of talented folks. Like, my dad's a singer. Yeah. My mom. Oh, you have a lot of musicians. Yeah. My mom's brother was a, just, like, a really prominent, influential band director. Yeah. Uh, my brother's a, a designer, menswear designer. You know, like, not everybody can grow up in a place, in a home where, like, their family is, like, go out there and be an artist, you know, and, like, make that work and... Yeah, that's so beautiful. That, yeah. That's, yeah, a true testament to your, like, talent. It was really lucky. And your success, because, like, sometimes raw talent's not enough. You have to be curated and, like, or cared for. Yeah. And, that's, like, you're saying, like, having a family that is supportive of that. I think that is, like, a unique thing about this city, too. It's, like, growing up here, if you say you want to be a saxophone player, most of the time people aren't going to be like, you can't be a saxophone player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can. You can be a saxophone They're player. They're like, that's a career. Yeah, that's, that's a, like a legitimate career, career yeah. here. A lot a lot of things, like chef and, like, right. you know, people will take it seriously here in a way that I I think more culturally people are. Like, you know, no one's telling kids, like, you need a real job. I guess people still say that. Yeah. I'm not telling kids that. I would know. I would never yeah. do that. What does that even mean? Yeah, no. Um, sometimes I think talent is inherited. Do you think that you inherited some of your creativity and talent? Um, yeah, I do. I think it's a thing. Yeah. I think, like, weird things can be inherited. Like, mannerisms. Yeah. Like, there's all these cases of people that, like, were adopted, and then they, like, meet their birth people, and then they have, like, their hand gestures. Like, they, like, like they walk the like them, or they, like, have these, like, weird physical things that are, like, identical to the person they've never met. Mm-hmm. So I think talent is, like, one of those things. Yeah. I mean, I it's feel like... all. No, maybe it's a balance of, like, the nature versus nurture, you know? Because right. I feel like I also, when I was growing up, my older brother was, like, really, really into film. And we would, like, watch films, and, like, they mm. became kind of, like, a part of our humor or, like, a part of our, like, play. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were, like, watching movies was, like, a big part of our relationship. And that probably... Honestly, I don't I haven't thought about that very much, but like probably influenced me a lot to like Yeah, yeah definitely. He also drew like I didn't want to be a filmmaker when I was super young. I actually wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to do comic books. Oh cute. And my brother was a big illustrator, so like yeah, he influenced me a lot. And you're the youngest? I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest too. But of two? Uh I have a an- I have another older brother who's uh much older. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm the youngest of three. Me too. Yeah, all boys. Oh, see, we're two girls and a boy. Okay. A boy in the middle. How does it feel to be the youngest? <sighs> it's complicated. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I feel like you probably had a better go of it. I think it was good in the sense that I kind of was, it kind of felt like I was an only child all the time because mm-hmm. my brother stopped being my friend by the time he hit puberty mm-hmm. and my sister was much older. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of left to my own devices a lot. Yep. And I really think that's why I'm creative. Yeah. I was so good at playing by myself mm-hmm. and like playing pretend. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'd have a friend to play with, I would just like latch on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tight. And it was like, okay, I want to play house and you're the mom and I'm the dad and we have three children. Did it? Like, I'm ready. Like, when a kid wanted to play with me, I would be like just gung ho, like yeah. ready to ready to play. I was, yeah, me too. Yeah, you were a big player. Did you play pretend a lot? Oh, all the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I feel like that's like, my my nieces and nephews don't really play pretend. What do they do? They, they like, they like being physical, so they'll like ride bikes and stuff, 
but they like consume a lot of video games and TV. Mm. And I did too. I like, did too. I had an N64 mm-hmm. and I had Oregon Trail on my computer nice. and Neopets Ugh. and I had a TV in my room really young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. But I just don't ever really see them like lock in. Mm. My youngest niece kind of does. Yeah. She'll play and be funny and silly. But the other two are just kind of like, kind of feels like they grow up faster. Like, I know. I do feel that. I don't know how much I can like prove that. But yeah, I do feel like I think we it's were. provable. Like if you look at Seventeen magazine, mm-hmm. uh, the covers of it, like when we were younger, like there were mature teenagers in like teenager cool clothes. And now if you look at like a Seventeen, it's like 13 year olds on there in like adult clothing on the mm. covers. Yeah. It's like the demographic is getting younger and younger. Like MTV's demographic. Remember how it kind of like shifted? Yeah. It got younger and younger. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just think that that's like a thing. Kids are growing up faster. Feels that way. It makes me a little worried for like creative future. Like where where are mm-hmm. all the kids that are playing pretend right now? I know they exist. I mean, I feel like they're becoming adults who also play pretend. I hope so. With people's lives. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? That sounded really dark. It's the darkest thing you've said this whole time. I don't know. Just like thinking about the metaverse, you know. Oh, my God. I can't think about the metaverse. Yeah. I get so overwhelmed. And NFTs. It's like so contemporary. It's hard to. I just can't even be forced to care. Yeah. It's not in front of me. I have real people that I interact with on a daily basis. But don't you think it's going to become a big part of your life? Potentially? Why? I don't know. Just like um, like we could never fathom that like when Instagram first came out, <clears throat> never thought that I would even have an Instagram. I actually got it for work-related reasons. And now it's like, wake up in the morning, what's on Instagram? You know? Yeah. Like I wonder if it'll become, if like this whole metaverse thing will become something that like is just a part of the fabric of the day. <sighs> you know? Maybe. I am somebody that's been on the internet since I was since puberty, so since I was yeah. like 11, 12, mm-hmm. I had AIM, mm-hmm. I had Live Journal, I had Zanga, I had Tumblr, so mm-hmm. I always had a journal online. As soon as Instagram came out, I had an Instagram. I was mm-hmm. on Facebook, MySpace. Oh, that's interesting. And I was on them, on them, because I'm deeply social. Yeah. For me, they were always tools to mm-hmm. connect to other people. Like, even today, when I post on Instagram a lot, like, if y'all follow me on Instagram, I post every single day. And... I know there are people that are like very judgmental of that. It's like, oh, well, either A, I think a lot of people think it's a performance. Mm. And then also I think a lot of people think it's fake. Mm. And neither of those things bother me because people can have their opinions. I don't care. But since the beginning of this, I've always felt like it's a tool to connect with people. Yeah. Like I lived in Philly for college and like I still have so many friends from up there and I'm able to like mm. stay in touch with so many people. Right. At any given time, and I'm able to like see what's going on in their lives. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love the literal connection part of it. Yeah. I love knowing what's going on. It's like, but it's deeply overwhelming because yeah. it's a lot of information. It can be. Yeah. Um, I admit that it's deeply overwhelming and I admit that it's really curated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to film a front facing video where I look ugly. Well, sometimes I do, but for the most part, like I'm going to know I look cute in it, you know? You got to know your angles. Yeah. And I know that's curated, but like what isn't curated? Yeah. I mean, you walk out of your house every day and you're curating the you're way putting you clothes want the on world your to see you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like you're in a mood and like you're either going to be in that mood or you're going to like turn that mood down or up. 
mm-hmm. for people around you. Like we are nonstop curated. So yeah. I guess when I think about the metaverse, I I just feel like I'm already in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of already feel like yeah. I'm in yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. it is already my reality mm-hmm. because I'm so laced into this online world. Yeah, I get that. But it doesn't change anything for me. Because I would do this all day. If yeah. someone came up to me right now and they were like, you either have to delete Instagram or you can never talk to Zach again. I'd be like, okay, I'll delete Instagram. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, yeah, wouldn't, yeah, yeah. I would choose my people over it all day long. Absolutely. Like, I'm never going to be in that situation, though. But, like, you know, people are like, well, you're you're addicted. You can't. It's like, I could. But, like, it doesn't hurt me. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm doing yeah. good. You're, do- you're managing it. You're like, yeah, I feel like you can get overwhelmed. But it's you yeah. have to, like, define what your relationship with it is going to be. Exactly. If you get overwhelmed, you take a break. Right. I'm getting better at that, but it is hard. Yeah. It's like you have a moment to veg out. What do you do? Right. So. I know. I'm not like a poster either. I don't post a lot. But actually, my partner and I started this uh, fashion blog. Oh, really? Called Firefits New Orleans. Oh, I follow it. You do? Yeah, on my fashion, my, my shop page. That's Marta and I. Is it really? Mm-hmm. You just posted a picture of Dominique today. We sure did. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked it. Amazing. Yeah, you know me. I'm li- I'm LinkedIn on the internet. Like, that's my vibe. Uh, yeah. I had no idea that was you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm mad I'm not on it yet. <laughs> like, when we see you out in the streets, we will This is get upsetting you on me it. now that I actually know who's running that account. I'm like, okay, rude. <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't know that was y'all. That's so cute. Yeah, we, we just started it. Like, I think we just hit our 100th post like two days ago. Oh, what's up? That's awesome. But yeah, we go out. I mean, really, it started like with friends. You like walk around the neighborhood and see people. But then it became like, let's go out to the second line every Sunday and like just capture what these, you know, because there's like so many creative people and we start to see the same people every Sunday. And like, it's kind of, it's actually really beautiful because like we'll run into people and they'll be like, oh shit, it's the Firefits people. Uh, like, cool. okay, check this out. Boom, boom, boom. Like, I made this look like we run into people who like have made their entire looks like just like fashion icon designers in the city. You know what I mean? I get it. I mean, I look at me like I yeah. love getting dressed. Yeah. I started a whole business. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. addicted to clothing. Yeah. Like this it's was wonderful. really just to support my thrifting habit. <laughs> you know, like, right, like right, most right. of the business plan was me being able to thrift whenever I wanted. Right. Yeah, I get and it. Make that sustainable. It's it's creative. Like it's so fun. It is. And you know what's been interesting? I feel like there were like staples of New Orleans creative culture, like music and dance. But I feel like fashion is now becoming a part of that fabric too. Like all the designers, the material institute, the work that they're doing and like creating this fashion school. It's so like, real. The very first guest on this podcast is uh my neighbor Will and he makes bayou soap. Oh, sick. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's taking uh, classes at NOLA DDM. That's the, like, sewing school thing that's, like, on St. Claude. Like, oh, cool. And they, they have courses all the time. And now I know multiple people that have been going there and taking classes. Hmm. So I really think it's, like, you're right. I think it's, like, the next frontier. Yeah, it's, like, blowing up. Another thing that I talked about with uh, another friend who will be on the podcast soon is sometimes people, especially people that aren't from here, but I think people from here too like need to be reminded like New Orleans is so deeply artistic and mm-hmm. like cultured and it sometimes just gets watered down to food and music. Right. And I want more people, especially people that are newly moving here, as part of the reason this podcast exists, mm-hmm. to understand that like there is so much to the fabric. 
that is this city. You know, it's not like just Jazz Fest and Gumbo. No. You know, and like, that's not even my experience whatsoever. And I grew up here. Yeah. So I think it's like so nice to talk about, yeah, the fact that people here have some dope fashion and like. Yeah. And are designing their own clothes. That's like, so cool. Making their own patterns. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we have just, a, I don't know. We have like an incredible poetry scene in New Orleans. Yeah. Do you know about this? Like, not as much as I should. But we you know? do. We have like incredible poetry. Like we have all kinds of like little niches across the city. Yeah. It's really wonderful. It's incredible. I feel so lucky to like be here. Yeah. Um, a question that I like to ask sometimes. If someone gave you like an endless amount of money yeah. tomorrow and they were like, this money can be used in this city, in New Orleans, to do something you think is needed. Yeah. What does that look like for you? It can be film oriented. It doesn't have to be like yeah, yeah. in your dream New Orleans bottomless pocket. What what is what do you want for the city? I would um I've thought about this actually. Really? I think about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I would I mean, I feel like this there's like so many things I could do, so many things I would want to do. I think like the first thing that I would do as like a tangible thing is to convert Charity Hospital into homes for house houseless people and like also fit with like retail stores where people could work a medical center where they could be seen like there's enough space in that it's building huge. to do all of that and create kind of a self-contained community for houseless people yeah. that allows them to work have a doctor have health care mental health care support support yeah like all in one facility so that would be like number one i love that and like market the hell out of it and put billboards everywhere and just like yeah just like you wouldn't it be space. nice if it was just like standard to take care of the houseless community yeah and like everyone understood why it should be a priority and like the housing situation aside from the housing situation is a nightmare here as it is yeah and it's like yeah we have all these empty buildings and charity is huge, it's huge. i think there's a million square foot square feet of space in, um, in the middle of the city yeah a million square feet and then 150 feet down the road under an overpass there's a thousand people set up in tents yeah it's like shameful it is deeply shameful that is exactly the word for it yeah yeah so that's number one do you have a number two you say um, that like there's a number two yeah oh shit i didn't think about number two <laughs> have to be a number two. i would like i mean honestly i would just like give a bunch of money to my friends who are creatives and just be like do whatever you want make something yeah yeah i mean the ripple effect that comes from stuff like that it's outstanding you know yeah it's like one film like think of all the people that watch time and it's changed them i hope yeah you, yeah i hope you think about that because that's it's a real thing it's surely happened many a time and it will continue to happen that film's gonna outlive you you know yeah it will it will for sure i mean i like to think like they're the work that we're making like in those spheres you know are like shifting you know a couple minds at a time and over the course of history over the course of time it starts to shift the balance of what what we absorb in the world you know yeah. i think like it's really for me a goal is to like combat literally like violence and media like, it's gotten increasingly harder for me to watch violent shit on TV. I can't do it anymore, Zach. Yeah. Kristen like, and I will get in fights. She'll put a horror movie on or something. And I'll cry. Yeah. I'll, I'll start watching it, and I'll be like, why'd you put this on? As soon as it gets rough. Yeah. It's hard to Yeah, see. I've had those experiences recently, and I feel like 
Yeah, like we there there are ways to tell stories that don't involve like physical brutality. You know what I mean? That can still like be great stories and still get whatever point across that you need and to get across. And take these heavy topics that maybe involve some brutality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. What you do is beautiful. Thanks. You're beautiful. Thank you. Aww. Thanks for your, love you, know, you, buddy. Love you too. Okay, so the the last question I ask everybody is, who should I have on the show? Who do you think should be on this show? So many people. I mean, I feel like this is a strategic question. It, but like, it could be or it could be. It, it, I usually tell people, like, the first person you think of that's, like, really cool and you wish more people knew, like, yeah. that's them. Like, Ooh, that's tough. I mean... You can tell me more than one person if you want. Yeah. I just think about, like, some people I've met that are, like super talented younger than i am like have it together like have that kind of clarity of vision like i'm like how do you do that uh dominic scott who's like young dude he's probably like 22 or 23 from new orleans singer songwriter artist film director does a lot of work with pell um pell's also fantastic also from New Orleans. Pell grew up right down the street. Oh, really? Pell and I were like childhood friends. Another gentilly buddy. Mm-hmm. Like him and his brother, Pell's brother Micah. Is that somebody age. that used to hide kegs with in Melanie Boy's home? No. <laughs> Pell was too young. But uh, that happened. Yeah. But, uh... I love that. So I live really close to Melanie Boy's home and Zach rolled up and he was like, yeah, I used to hide kegs out there. Well, it was, so there's like a baseball field out there. Yeah. And then there's like... The dugout? The dugout, yeah. right, and, the, like, the bathrooms and stalls and stuff uh-huh. like that, and, uh, yeah. After Katrina, there wasn't nothing out there either. No, there wasn't anything. Yeah. There was, like, two houses on the block, yeah. and, like, one of them was burned down halfway. You're bad. Yeah. You could go drink underage. Yeah. So somebody <laughs> stole it. Oh, that's great. It, like, went, it disappeared one day. Oh, no. Yeah. But you meant y'all stole it. No. I don't know how we got it. Older friends. One of those mysterious things when you're a teenager. When I was 16, my brother was 21, and he lost his ID, so he had to get another one. Oh, snap. Dang. So I had that one. Dang. I found it. You found it. And that was yours. And y'all and looked We looked alike. enough alike. Enough yeah. alike. He's your brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever looking that close. Also, no. being under eight, well, not anymore. They've really cracked down, but growing up, it was not hard to get alcohol. No. I feel like right now, it's like a lot harder than it ever was when we were kids. Yeah, maybe so. But these kids have sophisticated fake IDs now. <laughs> I bet. I remember I got given a fake ID once. I was like working Jazz Fest randomly a few years ago at a bar. And this girl gave me a fake ID. And I looked at that and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. It was a Louisiana ID. It looked nothing like my Louisiana ID. But it was beautiful. Like it was hard. It was her picture. Oh, wow. Like it was like it had the thing on the back. Like. I was like, this, I was like, I'm going to give you this alcohol because this fake <laughs> is so good that I respect your hustle. And she walked up like, like She's so confident. confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, you know what, girl? She's you like, can there's have it. no way you'll turn me away from this. Yeah, those. and she was right. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Damn. You got it. She earned it. She earned it. <laughs> Zach, this has been so lovely. Thank you so Thank you. much Thanks for, for having coming me. to Planet Nola. That was really pleasant. Did you have fun? I did. Okay, tell all your friends, all right? planet nola (laughs) thank y'all so much for listening please like follow subscribe all those things that that's that's how we get 
people with eyes on this thing. I would love to have as many people in New Orleans as possible listening every week. Um, and if you want to leave us a re- review on Apple Podcasts, I just got holographic stickers made. So if you leave an Apple Podcast review, let me know, and I'll mail you a holographic sticker. I'll give you one for being a guest. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You thank get you. one for free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, y'all. Be in touch.